The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, my name is Jeremy Pope, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Delamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us this 348th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, the equally tired, Brittany Page. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I am uh, a tired guy. Yeah. We Well, we thought about postponing the show and doing three episodes next week, uh, but we, we decided not to. Because, we can't skip this stuff today. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot happening right now, and... Um, we have to talk about it, but the event is tomorrow. Does something happen to my voice? <laughs> well, let's well, first of all, let's say why I'm tired, <laughs> why I'm so tired. Okay. And, and that is because of this Trump, you know, he knew what he signed up for comment. Mm-hmm. And last night I, I just, I, I went to bed, I think 10 o'clock. And then I woke up at like one thirty and tried to go back to sleep. Finally, just got my ass up at like two thirty. This was on my mind. So I got up and I wrote Put a sport coat on, comb my hair, not in that order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Filmed and then edited the video from today and uh, never went back to sleep. I tried and, and just couldn't. So it might be a little bit of nerves, a little bit of excitement, a little yeah. bit of jitters mm-hmm. for the event that is Thursday today. Yeah. So if you are local, we hope to see you there. And if you are coming, make sure that you um, stop by and say hello, eat some veggies from the veggie tray, and (laughs) (laughs) um, make sure you pull us aside and say hello. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Let me explain how tired I am. I can't let it go. (laughs) You can't let what go? How, the topic of me being tired. Maybe it's I'm so tired I can't focus on anything else. Okay. But- you sent me out to take out the trash. Uh, Earlier. I mean, that's there's no proof of that, but... <laughs> it, all right. I've somehow got it in my mind to take out the trash. Yeah, you took it upon yourself yeah, to that's do right. something. I volunteered... Very kind. For this, ...for this menial duty, task, chore. Yeah. And on my way out with the bags of trash for the trash can, you handed me the collection of shopping bags from grocery stores yeah because here in california you have to pay you pay a, a, a dime 10 cents for each and they're not just like shitty flimsy they're not you know uh 
shit bags that you used to, that maybe in other states you get. They're like thick plastic reusable bags. Yeah, they're reusable. So what we do is we save them, we reuse them, bring them back to the store. That's what you're supposed to do. That's kind of the incentive. We actually voted for this. It was a, a, a proposition. Doesn't work out well. I would say 90% of the time I have to buy more bags. Yeah, I'm a forgetful dick. So anyway, so I went downstairs. But this is a riveting story talking about the trash and the bags. And the the trunk of, of, of the car almost got filled with the trash mm. because I just stuffed everything in the trunk and went to shut it and went, oh, no, wait, that's not uh, <laughs> that's not why I came down here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the trunk is already filled with trash because it's filled with Arrowhead water <laughs> right now. So that was the requested flavor of water it was and normally i wouldn't say arrowhead is a flavored water but apparently it tastes sweet it's flavored according to Brittany page because she is a water snob flavored in a bad way bad flavored water when the zombie apocalypse happens i will be making my way toward the aquafina plant (laughs) when when it happens yeah yeah if it happens all right. <laughs> let's uh let's keep this show rolling before I fucking fall asleep. So sorry if I'm low energy, if I'm just like Jeb Bush according to Donald Trump, low energy Jeb this episode. Yeah. It's uh I'm sorry. Maybe these voicemails will pep me up. Let's hope. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is uh Brandon from Georgia. Uh again, I guess at this point, um, I just wanted to ask you guys or give a prompt for a discussion. Jesse said something in the last episode about how most of Donald Trump's face is going to peel away, you know, and just leave the deplorables, I guess. He didn't say that, um, but I, that seemed to be what was implied would be left. Uh, honestly, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, my dad voted for Donald Trump and what seems to be happening, and I suspect this happens with a lot of, you know, unengaged Republicans is, um, he doesn't want to talk about politics anymore. And we used to talk about it fairly often. There would usually be a point where he was tired of it, but he doesn't want to discuss politics anymore. I think it's because he's embarrassed. Um, you know, deep down in his heart, you know, whatever, I can't read his mind. But I think he's embarrassed, but I don't think he wants to admit to that. And I don't think he's going to vote for a Democrat in the next election. I don't think anything's going to change. Um, he was voting for a letter. Um, and I think a lot of Republicans vote for a letter. It's pure tribalism. It's pure team sports to them. And frankly, I think that 35, 34 he has now, I don't think that's going to get much lower. I mean, it's pretty fucking low, but (laughs) yeah, I think that's about as low as it's going to get. Anyway, I just thought I'd weigh in. Uh, Love you guys. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. (laughs) We should do um, a compilation of people saying that and do it from like the most excited and most genuine (laughs) to To like Brandon. Yeah, just like tortured. Just like, ah, fucking Brittany. It's a thing that gets said. I'm saying it. 
best. Uh, well, uh, one, I don't remember saying that uh, that most would evaporate. I think that was the term I was using, evaporate. I was saying there is going to be a good portion, more than you'd think. I, I, don't, I would never, I think. If I said most, I was uh, being hyperbolic, which, you know, it happens. But I don't think that was in, that wasn't in my head at all. But uh, I just read a poll today that his his approval rating is pretty rock solid right now. Well, that's that's funny, but it's uh, pretty steady at about thirty seven percent. So, which by the way is historically fucking low, embarrassingly low. So, there. Listen, if your dad is emblematic of other Republicans, Brandon, and he. Only vote. He, you can't see him voting for a Democrat. Well, then what might happen, which is what happens a lot of times in off election years, is they stay home. They can't find the motivation within them, within themselves to vote. So they they don't. And it swings the other way because of apathy and because of lack of action. So that's whatever, if, if whatever it takes to get that fucking cock meat out of office. That's what we want. So 538 obviously tracks the approval, disapproval rating based on all polls. Yeah. Now, this isn't all polls. This is polls that are reputable, yeah. that, that meet the standard um, of... You mean not not Drudge Report online Twitter polls? They're polls that are... <laughs> Scientific. ...worthy of being included, according to Nate Silver and his team. Right. And so, these, these aren't just liberal polls. They are polls that do skew... Like the Rasmussen poll... Yeah, in fact, that's the latest one that was uh, added today, where the approval rating is 43%. Yeah, and he is a conservative. Yeah, but so they, they put all these polls together, and right now the approval rating is 38.1%. Okay. Yeah. So hovering around where I said, 37. I just got to be right, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> Validate me. It's uh, Praise me. It's around what you said. <laughs> I would have taken 47 and said, oh, yeah, so pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yikes. Thanks for the call, Brandon. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's let's uh, move on. Um, I think we have an email that we should get to because we have two more voicemails that are kind of related in topic. So this one is from D. D. And something tells me that D won't hear this. Oh, oh no, that... I don't know if that sounds like it's a little uh, teaser. Yeah, I think I get the the gist <laughs> of what kind of a message, whether it be positive or negative, this will be. Why should I support you when you spew cursing that demean my spiritual beliefs? <laughs> I'm with you about Joel Austin. It's pronounced with a long O sound, FYI. However, anyone who uses the God word and the D dot dot n word do not deserve Wait, what that's damn oh goddamn uh do not deserve my money i thought your blog might be a spot for honest conversation blog? not just your opinion <laughs> thank you do, for your service to our country do i have some kind of a secret uh huff post blog or something i don't know have i been secretly writing on medium and not know it i do not know <laughs> What well, D is talking about. D, listen, thank you very much for reaching out to the show. We appreciate you very much, buddy. I, or maybe lady. You can't call a lady a buddy. Hey, buddy. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Joel Austin. Uh, I'm not demeaning someone's spiritual beliefs by calling a spade a spade, a charlatan, a charlatan, a man who, who whose life practices fly in the face of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Come on. Well, Goddamn. I, I think that that's not what she was taking issue with. She said she's with you oh, on that. Oh. She doesn't like how you pronounce his name, but what she doesn't like is that you say Goddamn. That's oh, primarily oh. what the issue is here. Well, here, let me say this. A lot of Christians believe that saying Goddamn or saying Jesus Christ is taking the Lord's name in vain. And that's not what that uh, commandment is even about. What the commandment is about is um, like swearing an oath to your God and then breaking that oath. That is taking the, your Lord's name in vain. Not saying, first of all, God isn't the name of your deity. God is a generic term. Zeus was a god. So when I say goddamn, uh, I'm talking about Zeus, everybody. I'm talking about Odin. <laughs> maybe I'm talking about Allah, if you're a Christian. Or maybe I'm, you know, talking about Yahweh, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're a Muslim. It's generic. Calm down. Well, we wish Dee all the best. And all the best, She Dee. ended the email saying, thank you for your service. So she is thankful for your service. Oh, so what's the appropriate way to answer that? Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yes. I loaded that up special for you, Brittany. Page. Thank you. Thank you. Because every single episode, it happens that way. It does. All right. Let's move on to a, a, a voicemail that will likely not be quite as angry. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Meg from Arkansas. Um, I was just listening to your most recent episode. And what really got to me was the assholes of today. Um. First and foremost, I don't think a major fashion designer who creates the looks she just criticized gets to criticize. If you want to be part of the solution, be part of the solution. But clothing is not the solution. You make slutty clothing. So what? But that does not equal consent. I completely agree. And one other thing that I am sick to death about. Sick of it. I've dealt with it my entire life. It's the whole dress code, double standard bullshit. <laughs> I was in the fourth grade. I hit puberty before everybody. Oh, oh no. I wanted to hear about her puberty. Oh, okay. <laughs> that got cut off way too soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes me sad. I want to hear about it, too. Call back. Yes, we want to hear the story. Meg, yeah. or better yet, why don't you email in a voice memo from your smartphone when you know you're not going to get cut off. Yeah. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Yeah. A um, couple of things. Yes, people were tweeting um, advertisements from Donna Karen. I know that John Oliver made a joke about how she isn't relevant because it's not 1993 or something like that. Yeah, or 2003 and or something. I'm not really, like, I don't follow fashion. Yeah. You know, like, I still... Fashion! Have, <laughs> I still have clothes that, like, I had when I was 16. By the way, 
Somebody remind me that's a drop I need to get from the Larry David show from Curbed. That kid. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, Greg, the fashion kid. Okay. Anyway, um, you're not into fashion. You're yeah, a slob, so, so go ahead. I, <laughs> that's not what I'm that's saying. That's what I heard. No, I'm just cheap. I'm um, high fashion, Brittany, so I don't understand why you're not into it. Yeah, yeah. It's because I'm cheap because of the hashtag welfare kid. Um, <laughs> so don't spend my money on that. Um I people were tweeting these advertisements of women in Donna Karen gear. Yeah, and they were posing provocatively with men and they were saying, "Oh, is she asking for it? You yeah. know, is this model asking for it?" And none of the models were like mid-rape, right? No. They were all just doing their job. Yes. And miraculously not being sexually assaulted. Yeah. I wonder they must have magic properties her specific revealing clothing. Yeah, well, I I can also relate to Meg because I am tall. And so when I uh, would wear shorts, it was different for me. Like, I would have had to have gotten very long shorts. Yeah, so what would be a shant on someone else, a cross <laughs> between a short and a pant? Those are like booty shorts for you. <laughs> I mean, that's it's not that bad. <laughs> uh but it was them some long legs, Brittany Page. No, it's not that bad. But it was. Um, You're a full five ten. It was problematic. Okay, problematic. And, and it, it wasn't the same for other kids because Shit's sliding out. That's not supposed to be sliding. Well, out. and it's the same. It's the same way for everyone. When they have different, we all have different bodies. So if you have big boobs when you're younger, it's harder for you to like cover that up. You yeah. know, um, sure. because they're there and you know if someone doesn't have big boobs it's easier to kind of cover it up and find shirts that fit so uh, these dress codes it's just not it's not equal opportunity dress codes yeah i believe that i believe that yeah i think there need to be especially when you have adults in charge you use your fucking brains yeah you know what i mean uh if somebody has their shoulders exposed uh, what is this riyadh saudi arabia Calm down. Nobody's forming spontaneous circle jerk sessions because they see shoulders. Okay. While we're on that topic, I want to read a segment from Mayim Bialik's op-ed in the New York Times. Oh, yeah. I wondered if you were going to talk about this. Because this is another woman like Donna Karen who is making this argument yet claiming she's not making the argument. Now, Mayim Bialik is the, the lady who was on Blossom. She was Blossom. And now she's on that, like, nerd science, uh... The Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is what she wrote. And this is toward the middle of the article. But I'm going to read two paragraphs so you have... Little the, context. Yeah, you have a little context. And yet I have also experienced the upside of not being a perfect 10. As a proud feminist with little desire to diet, get plastic surgery, or hire a personal trainer, I have almost no personal experience with men asking me to meetings in their hotel rooms. Wait, wait, wait. go ahead. It's already dumb, but go ahead. Those of us in Hollywood who don't represent an impossible standard of beauty have the luxury, in quotes, of being overlooked and in many cases ignored by men in power unless we can make them money. I still make choices every day as a 41-year-old actress and I think of that I think of as self-protecting and wise. 
I have decided that my sexual self is best reserved for private situations with those I am most intimate with. I dressed modestly. I don't act flirtatiously with men uh, as a policy. This is victim blaming is what this is. When I read this, I... <laughs> it's low-key victim blaming. I, I felt that it was along the lines of what Donna Karen said and along the lines of what many people say. And we've already had this conversation. This conversation has already been had. Women who wear burqas get raped. Yes. No, no, Brittany. Only beautiful actresses get sexually assaulted and raped. Average looking people don't have that problem. Only the beautiful people get raped and assaulted. Women who make every effort to avoid men and avoid certain situations get raped. There has never been a rape of an Amish woman in a full pioneer dress, Brittany. So telling someone that they need to dress modestly or not act flirtatiously, which what does that mean? Or get plastic surgery. It, it, it's just, it's strange. And when you saw this hashtag Me Too campaign all over social media, mm-hmm. was all of the people tweeting that, were they Sofia Vergara? Right. Is that the, is that the insinuation here? Very short-sighted. She's supposed to be some type of intellectual. I think she has an education, maybe even a PhD. It seems odd to me that she wouldn't be more of a, of a thinker about this. Because that's a, especially labeling herself a feminist. That's just a jackass point of view. Well, she has said that, that this was taken the wrong way. And she has apologized for it because she said that's not what she meant by it. Right. Of course, but, always. And I'm, I'm wondering if anyone read this and took away what she meant to say. Because I didn't and i'm open to hearing someone else's perspective that maybe i'm reading into it something that Hmm. shouldn't be there i don't know but i just feel that this this conversation has already been had and and it's not working that's not working telling women to cover up telling them not to be flirty um this isn't working and it's it's like a backhanded mike pence thing where he says he can't go out with with women alone um, the answer shouldn't be wall yourself off from men because they're going to hurt you. I mean, we, we have to be around men. We have to right. in, our, in our jobs. Again, it's not Saudi Arabia where there's a segregated society. So what needs to change is the conversation needs to change to be about what men are doing and not doing to stop this kind of shit from happening. And that's it. Period. Point blank. There's not even really a discussion to be had. The onus is on the raper, not the rape victim. The behavior change needs to be on the part of the of, of the of the the victimizer, not the victim. Done. No modest. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, th- this does bring up the, the other half of the assholes uh, of today, as Meg coined it was Camille Foster from uh, Fifth Column Podcast, mm-hmm. a show Brittany and I both listen to. Yeah. We are, we are consumers of their product. 
Camille Foster was the one who said, maybe the skirts are too short. Sometimes, maybe they are too short. Both of his cohorts, both of his co-hosts, immediately pushed back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, come on, dude. You can't say that. And then he realized, I think, in the moment that he had said something fucking dumb. And they said, oh, no, no, metaphorically speaking. And again, they pushed back. No, no. What do you mean metaphorically? Anyway, I tweeted I tweeted the episode out, and he responded and wasn't happy. He actually called for a retraction. Said, if I had any decency, I would re-listen to it and issue a retraction. So here's my retraction. <laughs> I couldn't find the button. Mm. There will be no retraction. I'm not saying he believes that. I think that he too often comes across uh, or tries way too hard to be a contrarian, to offer up and maybe even take the, 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 the opposing position even when it's fucking wrong. Yeah. Prior to the election, he was rah-rah with his fucking cheerleading pom-poms for Donald Trump defending every single movie made. And only now is he half-assed opposing the policies and the behavior of Donald Trump. So that's the kind of guy that he is on the show. I don't know him. The problem with someone like Camille is that you said he was rah, rah, rah Donald Trump before the, the, the election. He could point to all kinds of things that he said that oppose that. Because he is both side of the fence guy all yeah, the time. Yeah, sure. And so much so that he talks himself in a circle. And it seems like Matt and Michael have to kind of intervene and like get him back on track. And they make jokes about it, but it's like serious. It, it's like yeah. not really a joke. It's actually real what's happening. And so his response was like, you misheard what I said. But we and played the, the, it in context. The thing is, we didn't mishear what was said because the people who know him best that host a show with him reacted in that way. Yeah. And tried to save his ass. Yeah. No, that, that's exactly so fucking right. the people who don't know him are going off of what he said in addition to the way his co-hosts reacted. It's also... So I don't like these games of go back and listen, you didn't hear it correctly, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you should speak more clearly. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you should make your point yeah. and be direct into the point and not talk in circles for five minutes to make that point, he, right? He's, he's pulling a Sam Harris, you know, which is, oh, I'm just perpetually misunderstood. Well, then why don't you be a fucking better communicator? Because you know how often I get misunderstood on this show? Pretty rarely. It does happen. And also, I'm, you know, introspective enough to fucking take my lumps. To change my mind to be like, yeah, okay, I overstepped. I get it. In the passion of the moment, I said something goddamn dumb. And I'm here to uh, retract. And that's what it comes down to. In that moment, when they reacted, when Michael and Matt reacted in that way, saying, uh, come on, dude, you, ca you can't say this. When Matt made the comment that he was preemptively defending the quote before he even claimed he, he didn't hear it, right? He's like, oh, you're just preemptively defending it. He said that right. to him. Um, 
that was the time well, because Camille said I don't even know what she said. Yeah, that was but... that was the time to say. Yeah, you know what? I I kind of talked myself into a circle. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. I didn't even hear the quote. I don't even know what just happened. I apologize. I'm gonna edit this later and delete it. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, and that has happened to me. Because as we know from last episode, all you have to do is click, drag, and bam. Yeah, and boom. <laughs> but listen, it is difficult to talk about issues. Yes. Well, listen. You're inevitably going to offend people. You're inevitably going to piss someone off. You're going to say something wrong. It's not going to go well. It's just going to happen. But part of that is being able to say, yeah, I made a mistake. I probably phrased that in a shitty way. Um I'll, I'll try to do better next time. And it's hard to do that, but it's actually good to model that in public, especially when you have as much clout as Camille Foster. Yeah. And you're reaching as many ears as Camille Foster. And your co-hosts are Michael Moynihan and Matt Welsh. These are people who are on Bill Maher's show all the time. Moynihan works for Vice News and interviews major, major people. They're, they're players, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we just want to kind of respond to that. If you'd like to see the Twitter exchange, go through my feed and you'll see it. It's uh, not too exciting, but, you know, it's what it is. We wanted to, to talk about it a little bit. So one more voicemail and then let's move on with the program. Okay, so I have something that's been weighing on my mind about this whole wine fucker situation. <laughs> and I... I apologize for the length of this, but it starts kind of with a basic story between my husband and I, who, by the way, is a loving, equal partner, treats me like a million dollars. But we had a couple that we were friends with, and it was kind of one of those situations where she was cheating on him, everyone knew about it, but he either blissfully stayed or unknowingly stayed or just willingly stayed, We whatever. But every time this woman's name came up, my husband did that motion that if you've gone to junior high, you are familiar with. Where jerk, you stick your off. tongue in the side of your mouth oh. back and forth <laughs> and then move your hand in like a blowjob motion and you're, you know, simulating a blowjob. Um, and every time he did it, it bugged the crap out of me. But I could never put my finger on why... That motion bothered me until one day he did it, you know, for the 20th time. And I finally just said, hey, babe, you need to stop doing that. I need you to stop. And he was like, what? I, She's a whore. <laughs> and I said, okay, but you're not saying I she's a whore. You are making a blowjob motion. And he kind of looked at me in that like, I don't get your point. And it finally came to me. I said, hey, babe, we... When we are intimate, I give you a blowjob. So are you, am I to believe that when I do that, you are thinking I'm a whore? And of course he, you know, denied it passionately and was emphatically, you know, of course not. You're, of course not. You were married. We're in a relationship. It's different. And I said, well, then what you need to do is say things like, I disagree with her behavior, or I don't believe she has a moral core. But I said, when you associate a blowjob with deceitful behavior, you're indicating to me 
that the, it's the behavior that's whorish, not the circumstances surrounding it, that she's married, that she's outside of her marriage in that behavior, whatever, yada, yada. But I think this Weinstein thing, I think the problem, the reason it gets so complicated and sticky for people is that we have this weird judgment of women in our society, which is not news to anyone. But, you know, if you are a beautiful woman, we will pay you a million dollars to sell cheeseburgers, Mercedes, denim, hotel stays. We will exploit the shit out of your pretty boobs and your perfect nose and your sex appeal. But if you act on it, if you behave in a way that benefits you because you are beautiful, we will call you a whore. We will crucify you socially. And so I think part this whole like what was she wearing or why is your skirt too short? Like it's this weird misogynistic way to continue to control women while at the same time putting women that look good in that skirt up on this weird pedestal and making them famous. So, you know, I've I've been in that situation where um, no one's ever paid me to wear a mini skirt. But, you know, I've. I've been in a situation where things worked out really good for me because someone was attracted to me, but also been in situations where I was treated horribly because someone decided that was where my worth lied. And so I don't know the answer, but until we decide that women can be both compelling or not both can be all of compelling, smart, articulate, fancy whatever we want to be, and also wear short skirts and be sexual and um, enjoy that aspect of our being, we're never going to fix men like Weinstein or men who see beautiful women as only beautiful women. So I don't know what the answer is, but it's just pissing me off. I'm over it. I love you guys. Take care. Do we even need to finish the show yeah i know all right everybody good time <laughs> see you later i feel like we don't have any more wisdom I, to I, add on this matter i think <laughs> what the caller is is getting at is that she wants people to to unleash their inner hashtag classy laid mm. which encompasses everything everything all of it like she said yeah your sexiness your brains yeah your your ravenous sexuality you're being demure. Whatever it is, it's your genuine you. Yeah. That is what Classy Laid encompasses. I just had a memory of my great aunt who deleted me on Facebook. And <laughs> she... Brady Page family, she everybody. She would always <laughs> comment on my posts. And th this was the extent of her comments. You're too pretty to cuss. You're oh, too pretty to talk about these things. This is when she wasn't leaving messages on Fannie Mae chocolates. Fannie Mae chocolates. To Mr. Fannie Mae. To yeah. Fannie Mae. Um, <laughs> but it was always this like, you're too pretty to use this language. If you, you were know? less pretty, yeah, fuck it up. Say say whatever you want to say, but you're you're pretty, so you can't. And I think that the caller is reinforcing so many good points that I can't even begin to recap, but um, I have felt 
so much of what she talked about. And um, I think that it is unfortunate, but a lot of times women are the worst at lashing out at other women for this. Yeah. And trying to keep them in their place. Yeah, you're pretty, but don't get too big of a head. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you can feel good about yourself. We want to uplift you, but, you know, don't take it too far. <laughs> and I, I see it all the time where, like, women will share these uplifting posts and we need to lift other women up. And, and, you, then, and you know them personally and that's not who they are. And then the next minute I see them tag a friend in a meme about like, oh, you ever see that girl walking by and her makeup is all crazy and like commenting on you oh, know someone's yeah. inability to like whatever might be wrong with their face. And I'm just like, wait, weren't you just talking about how we needed to lift other women up and now you're like making fun of how people have their lips or something? I mean, I just, I don't know. It, something, it's a minefield. It, it's, it's difficult because of course we... We all make judgments and we all have comments and not me. And that's fine. But <laughs> the tone yeah. can sometimes be be a little much. Yeah. So thanks for the call. Holy shit. Uh, that is awesome. We appreciate it very much. All of you. Listen, if you want to communicate with the show, you'd like to sound off, get your opinion on the air, ask us a question, whatever. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Holly. Holly. Thank you, Holly. That is awesome. Our latest Patreon family member helping to support and produce the show. We appreciate it very much. Again, we will talk about it probably one more time before the end of the show. T today, Thursday the 19th, is our event at Cal State University Fullerton with Dr. Michael Shermer, Dr. Douglas Navrick, and Ryan Nichols. Solving more dilemmas. How do we know what's right? And we are going to be recording it to release as a podcast. Expect that in the next couple days. And we're having some vidya. Some we are. Vidya taken. We are filming it. And again, expect that in the next couple of days. Because that's going to take some time for me to edit together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> click and drag and boom. delete and boom. All right. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So what I want to talk about today, we're going to get to these comments from Donald Trump to the grieving widow of LaDavid Johnson, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, the Green Beret who was killed with three of his other compatriots in Niger, Northwestern African nation. They were ambushed by 50 ISIS affiliate terrorists. But before we get there, I want to talk about just Trump's kind of general demeanor. And this is only over the course of the last you know, 10 days or so. And first, we're going to start with a clip of Donald Trump in some kind of a, a I guess, a dinner or a banquet. And they had a photo op 
in one of the rooms in the White House with his generals and their wives when he made a very weird offhanded comment in his typical reality show TV host way where he talked about this is the, this might represent the calm before the storm. You guys know what this represents? Well, maybe it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? It could be the calm, the calm before the storm. What storm, Mr. President? We have the world's great military people in this room. I will tell you that. And uh, we're not waiting for Thank you all for coming. Thank you. What storm, Mr. President? You'll find out. What storm, Mr. President? You'll find out right after these messages. The same fucking bullshit. We can only assume because of the timeline of when he said this, that this is related, you know, to, to North Korea. A furtherance of his ramping up of his rhetoric, you know, fire and fury unlike the world has ever seen. When is he going to be sat down by these men of flag rank, generals in the in the military, and say, hey, listen, goddamn, dude, you can't do this. A private, candid moment. It can be done respectfully. But it it is a problem. Uh, pretty disturbing comment while surrounded, of course, by his military leaders, Secretary of Defense, National Security Advisor, all of his generals, uh, McMaster, Mattis. Uh, there are, of course, a lot of issues right now uh, on that front. We're talking about Iran, we're talking about North Korea. Uh, mm-hmm. But he says, uh, we'll see. He'll let us know. Yeah, uh, Aaron, I think uh, uh, the best way to describe uh, this comment by the president today is that it leaves things very murky. We don't know exactly what he is referring to at a time when there are a number of foreign policy challenges that this administration is up against. You mentioned, of course, uh, the situation in North Korea, but also uh, a big issue that's on the table right now is the situation with Iran. Will the White House continue uh, to be a part of the Iran nuclear deal that was hatched during the Obama administration. Uh, We have reporting today that suggests that the administration is ready to decertify the deal, which would essentially send the decision back to Congress, and then they would have 60 days to to decide whether or not the U.S. should stay in or out. Uh, And the sense that you get from many Republicans in Congress is that they don't want to be a part of this deal. Uh, And then, of course, the situation in North Korea is very unstable as well, and the president himself has been very aggressive in his language as it relates to North Korea, while his advisors around him, many of them in that room today, have talked about diplomacy. So we don't know exactly know what storm he is talking about. Right. But Aaron, as you heard him say, uh, we'll find out. So this isn't necessarily for the topical nature of this, because this was several days ago, but it really goes to show that he doesn't really have a respect for the military. He doesn't have an understanding of the gravity of what they do. It's not a fucking board game. The calm before the storm. You'll find out. This isn't the way that a commander-in-chief with the solemn, serious duty of keeping the American people safe as well as our, our brothers and sisters in arms in military service, keeping them as safe as is reasonable. He doesn't think like that. Which leads us to what happened yesterday. Donald Trump 
took 12 days to talk about the ambush that killed four American Green Beret soldiers in Niger. 12 days. And only when he was asked about it by the media. In the meantime, he tweeted about the fake news and attacked the media 23 times in as many days. Several times about the NFL. They're saying that um, this could be Trump's Benghazi. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I, John McCain's very, very bothered by the, the, the sluggishness the sluggishness with which information is coming out relative to um, what really went on. He said the Trump administration is not being upfront about what happened. Yeah. So Donald Trump dragged his feet, didn't give a fuck about this until he was pressed by the media, waited 12 days to even talk about it, didn't tweet at all about it. And by people are saying it could be his Benghazi, I mean the Trump supporters are saying that. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm sure that they're clamoring that 38% or whatever percent you gave me, 38.1%, I'm sure they're clamoring that this is like Benghazi, even though it's... Pretty much the same fucking deal. Isn't this fascinating, though, that they aren't responding to this in a similar way? Um, I still see people on my friends list that have pictures of the soldiers that were killed in Benghazi, like as their cover photo. Wow. And the, uh, then you have Donald Trump um, handling these four deaths in the way that he he is not. Yeah. And there's just no comment. And it seems strange because the the passion for the military, right? And the flag and the anthem and the standing. All the respect for the troops. And the not kneeling. And the don the the, the fucking Tommy Laren, this is why we stand. Yeah. With the photos of Le David Johnson's casket draped in a flag. It just seems very inconsistent. Yeah disrespectful so donald trump on the 13th day called maisha johnson the wife of la david johnson sergeant la david johnson and apparently inside of the conversation he said that this is he knew when he signed up what the deal was we have some breaking news to report to you right now president trump finally calling the families of troops who lost their lives in the niger raid and telling the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, quote, he knew what he signed up for. I want to bring in now Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. She spoke to Sergeant Johnson's widow tonight, and she joins us uh, on the phone. Uh, thank you, Representative, for, for joining us. You spoke to, to the widow of LaDavid Johnson, uh, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. Her name is Maisha. Uh, how is she doing tonight? Oh, she's, she's very distraught. And uh, we were in the car together in the limousine headed to... Uh, meet the body at the airport. So I heard what he said because the phone was on speaker. What did he say? Well, basically he said, um, well, I guess he knew what he signed up for, but I guess it still hurts. Hmm. That's what he said. The president said to her, uh, he knew what he signed he knew, up for. He knew what he was signing up for. But when it happens, it hurts anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's almost as if this is a young, young woman 
who has two children who is six months pregnant with a third child. She has just lost her husband. She was just told that he cannot have an open casket funeral, which gives her all kinds of nightmares, how his body must look, how his face must look. And this is what the President of the United States says to her? It is anger-inducing for me. Donald Trump took to Twitter, of course, of course, Twitter, and denied having said this at all. In fact, said, I have proof that this congresswoman is lying. I did not say that. Democratic congresswoman totally fabricated what I said to the wife of a soldier who died in action, parenthetically, and I have proof. Sad. Sad. Totally fabricated would mean that she completely made it up out of whole cloth. Not manipulated what he said. Totally made it up. That tweet has 23,000 retweets and 88,000 favorites. Ugh. So, she repeated the story. And he was forced to into a situation where he was answering the media's questions... And he had this to say when asked. Didn't say what that congresswoman said. Didn't say it at all. She knows it. And she now is not saying it. I did not say what she said. And uh, I'd like her to make the statement again because I did not say what she said. I had a very nice conversation with the woman, with the wife, who is sounded like a lovely woman. Did not say what the congresswoman said, and most people aren't too surprised to hear what that. Is the truth, Mr. President? Uh, let let her make her statement again, and then you'll she find out. That she, that you said this. Okay, let her make her statement again, and then you'll find out. Just like in the meeting with the calm before the storm, you'll find out. It's always you'll fucking find out with this reality TV show douche. You'll find out. After this, the congresswoman, Frederica Wilson, <laughs> that is right, tweeted and said, I will stand by my account of the call between real Donald Trump and Myesha Johnson. That's her name, Mr. Trump, not the woman or the wife. She also said she was on with MSNBC and I think CNN again and said that the wife was very bothered when she hung up the phone and said he didn't even know his name. Mm hmm. That the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, the most powerful military on the planet, doesn't know the name of the fallen soldier when he calls their family to, to give them condolences. It's truly, I mean, I thought that things couldn't get worse, but now we have Donald Trump feuding with a widow. Yeah. And I just, I didn't think that it would get this bad, but it has. And when you look at Donald Trump, what is the one thing that he cannot have happen? He cannot be wrong. Yeah, that's right. And he doesn't like people thinking that he's wrong. He about never everything. apologizes. He needs approval. He needs to feel like people like him and appreciate him and believe what he's saying. So you'd think 
given his track record of being like that his entire life, that if he really did have proof, uh, he would put that out there. You're because goddamn right. Because he doesn't he want people thinking something bad about him, right? Yeah, I mean, that's paramount in his life is how people are thinking. But then the White House says, oh, conversations are private. Except for when he says he has proof. Yeah, but he has proof. Right. And this could all end with the release of that proof. So why would he why would he want these conversations happening? Why would he want the fake news spreading lies about him, right? End it all right now. Yeah. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. And I'm frustrated that they didn't ask that when he said, we'll have her make her statement again and we'll see. Like, what? No, you have proof. Yeah. Let's see what it is. What is your proof? What is your proof? Ask it until he answers. Let's talk about what he said a little bit. Now, he knows what he signed up for. There has been a handful of dickbags on YouTube who said, well, he did know. He did know. Well, let me say something. You don't sign up to die. Let me speak as an authority here, as an expert having served. I didn't sign up to die. I didn't sign up to be captured. I didn't sign up to be injured. I signed up to serve my country. Knowing full well that there was a chance, a, a slight chance, a more slight chance when I was in than there is now because there's active conflicts going on all over the globe. But I didn't sign up. All right, family, see you later. I'm off to die. And neither did LaDavid Johnson. He signed up to serve his country. And I don't... Listen, applying the most charitable interpretation to what he said, I can't come out of there with anything other than a dick statement from Donald Trump. Well, and we talked about this after we heard it, and we we both said that it seems as though he would say something like this to distance himself from feeling yes. responsible. And I read an article today by Gail Lemon in CNN uh, at CNN.com. And she wrote this. Here's the truth. The idea that people know what they signed up for is simply one symptom of a nation so removed from its wars that it makes superheroes of those who serve. That is easier than the reality of knowing that it is real life, three-dimensional people who take on the risk of putting on a uniform. If we make them superhuman, free from fear, willing to die for all of us, elevated on a distant pedestal, we can forget they have wives, they have husbands, yeah. they are moms and dads, and that they intend to come home from harm's way just as we would if we answered the country's call to serve. If we make them other... If we imagine them as unlike us, it makes it easier for us to bear the depth of loss that would accompany their death in the event such a tragedy occurs. Their families were prepared for it, we tell ourselves. Their families knew it could happen, that it was a risk. It doesn't ease their pain. It doesn't ease the shock that you no longer have a husband with your two babies and one on the way. It doesn't make it easier. And I, look, I've long talked, I think we talked about this in the first five episodes of this goddamn show, that we've, ra we've lowered the bar for hero so low that all you have to do is put on a uniform and you're deified. 
Not every Marine, not every soldier, not every airman, not every sailor is a hero. Not every cop, not every fireman. You have to do something heroic to be a hero. And they are few and far between. Just dressing like a quote-unquote hero doesn't make you one. This bothers me a lot. Because this is distancing language. Well, I can't be blamed for this as President of the United States and Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. The buck doesn't stop with me. Look, he knew what he was getting into. I didn't really have anything to do with this. What can you do? Kind of comes along with the, with the gig. Occupational hazard, everybody. When no one right at this point is blaming Donald Trump for ineffectual leadership relative to the military. That's not the focal point. Of course, he is a, a feckless leader. But I don't know that he's calling the shots from a command and control perspective. Let's listen to what a former Army officer, combat veteran, has to say about this. The former Secretary of State of Missouri, Jason Kander. Jason, you're a former Army captain. In your opinion, here's what he says. He knew what he signed up for, but when it happens, it hurts. Um, is that acceptable, a way to speak to a widow? It's nauseating. Uh, but you know what? I've heard people say this before. When they, I think we probably all have. We've all heard people find out about soldiers dying and say something like this. And so I think it's important to talk about why people say that. People say that because they're seeking emotional distance from the situation. People say that because they want to avoid feeling that pain. And when you're the President of the United States, when you're the Commander-in-Chief, you, you need to be able to lean into that situation and not just, yes, it is absolutely deeply important in that situation, human being to human being, to be able to console that widow, to be, to be there in that moment. But let me tell you why there's a larger reason why I think this matters so much, which is that I want a president, any president, doesn't matter who, when they're making a decision about sending people to a dangerous place, I want them to have as one of the things in their mind the visceral emotional feeling and that memory of that feeling in their mind as a factor when they make decisions about sending Americans into danger. Mm -hmm. And if President Trump is seeking to distance himself emotionally from this, which is the reason people say that's what they signed up for, then I don't know if he has the ability to factor in that feeling and the reality that people don't come home, that the most important person in your life may be gone in an instant. Well, and we've talked about this too with Donald Trump, which when the most important thing to Donald Trump is Donald Trump, yeah. he has difficulty with empathy and compassion for other people. because I, it's I don't more, know that he's capable of it. It's more about protecting his image and himself. Yeah. And he's also lived a very different life than most people. <laughs> he's been rich his whole life. Yeah. He's been coddled. He um, has been protected from a lot of traumas that other people might experience throughout sure. their life. Yeah. And just living that kind of life, a different kind of life, um, makes it kind of foreign, right? 
And then if you never go outside of that life, if you never try to meet people and listen to their experiences and what has happened to them, you know, um, I mean, he's, he's not Oprah. He's not sitting down with people every day on a show, listening to their life stories and cultivating that sense of compassion. Um, it's not something he ever worked on. Right? Absolutely not. No. I, here, I don't think that uh, this is the most important in the, in the scheme of things on a global scale. From a 30,000-foot view, I don't think that this is the most important thing that a president does. But I can tell you this. It's the most important thing for that family member, for that mother, for that child, for that wife for that husband. It's the most important thing for them at that moment. And you need to have the ability to be genuinely present with them in that time. And if Donald Trump is tripping all over himself, listen, even let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that it was just misunderstood. Well, then you need to call back and apologize because you fucked up. You drop the ball because in her moment of need, you failed her because you lacked the specific ability to communicate properly with the woman who is at maybe the lowest point in her entire goddamn life. She just lost her husband. Her world seems to be crumbling around her. And you tell her, eh, he knew what he signed up for. I know it's tough, but, you know, it happens. That's how she's hearing that. Yeah, this is the problem, which is Donald Trump was elected being someone who bragged about how he never apologizes. Yeah, and also he's the most militaristic person ever. But he's bragged about all of his negative qualities. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he still got elected. Yeah. And so no one is surprised that he's behaving this way. He, he's been lionized because of it. That he can't even behave decently toward a widow. Yeah. Um, because it's all about him and protecting his image. So he can't call her and apologize because now he's backed into a corner and he feels threatened. And the only thing he can do is lash out and try to discredit her story. Well, and even if he was to apologize, it would have to be done in his eyes publicly to clear himself. He can't do anything on the sly to just genuinely impact her life. It's got to be a fucking public spectacle for him, like everything else, like dragging General John Kelly, his chief of staff, into this melee. Yeah, talking about his son. Because John Kelly was the highest ranking man who lost a son in combat. In Iraq and Afghanistan. He doesn't like to talk about it. There are many stories of him. Four days after John Kelly's son was killed in combat. He was given a speech about fallen warriors. And the person who introduced him before the thing. He said listen. Whatever you do. Don't mention my son. This isn't about me. This isn't about my son. I'm going to talk about other stuff. And he talked about generally people who have lost their loved ones. Mm -hmm. 
people who have made the ultimate sacrifice to their country. He didn't make it about himself because he's a decent man. Yeah. I think he's wrong, and I think he's a follower of Donald Trump, but I don't think he's a shitbag like Trump is. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of people who are just caught up in this blind support of this this person. And there's a part of me that genuinely believes that if you were to sit down with a Trump supporter and explain everything that happened here with this widow and be like, no, but tell me, how do you feel about this? You know, I mean, how do you feel knowing he said this? Do you think that's appropriate? Yeah. And what if you had heard that Obama said this? That's what I was going to say. Would you be reacting in a way that the liberals are reacting? Well, what we need to do, I think, is find like a master storyteller who can who can draw a parallel story, almost identical in every way, but put it in, in terms of Obama and see how they react. And if they react with outrage, then fuck them. They're hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And many of these people are fucking hypocrites. Well, I mean, if, if according to Jeremy Pope, we uh, <laughs> things things aren't good on on that front. Yeah, because yeah. they will just move with whatever Donald Trump's position is. They're not right? idealists. They're party loyalists. Yeah. Yeah. They're not ideologues. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Idealists. Mm-hmm. Ideologues. So. This wasn't the only thing, and then we're going to wrap here. This wasn't the only thing that kind of backfired on Trump relative to, to, to Gold Star families. Apparently, Donald Trump in, ju- ju- in July, not June, July, called the, the father of a fallen service member, a slain service member, and promised him a personal check for $25,000. The Washington Post got a hold of this, started asking questions, and by sheer unwieldy coincidence, everybody, the check went out the same exact day, months later, but the same day that the Washington Post started asking questions. Update our viewers, what is the White House now saying about this, Caitlin? Well, that's right, Wolf. The Washington Post reported this afternoon with the drama of all these calls and the president saying that he's been more attentive to the families of fallen soldiers than his predecessors that when the president called the family of one fallen soldier, Dylan Baldridge, a 22-year-old who died in Afghanistan over the summer, that the president spoke to the family, the father of the soldier, specifically Chris Baldridge, for about 15 minutes. And then Baldridge told the Washington Post that the president said he was going to write him a $25,000 check for his loss. Now, the father says that when he got a condolence letter in the mail later on, that there was no check. It was just a letter from the president. And he said he was disappointed because he was surprised that the president had offered them had offered him this. So then the White House published a statement a little bit after the Washington Post had published a story saying that the check indeed had been sent and that they thought it was disgusting that the media was using this story to advance their agenda. And we've now confirmed that the White House sent this check to the family of Dylan Baldridge just today, Wolf. Now, he died in June. The Washington Post reported today that the president had spoken to him a few weeks after that, but the check was not sent until today, Wolf. 
And it wasn't sent until what the Washington Post informed the president that they had this information. They were seeking White House comment. Once the Washington Post told the White House about the story, they then decided they better send the check. Is that what you're hearing? That's right. The Washington Post says in their story that they reached out to the White House today and that the, the check and then a White House official also has confirmed to, to me that the check was not sent out until today. So that just goes to show you that the, the White House is saying that this should be portrayed as a sincere gesture from the president because it was a personal check from Donald Trump. But it's clear that there were some mixed signals here. If this call happened a few weeks after Dylan Baldridge died in June and that the check was not sent until mid-October, Wolf. So... This yeah, is, I feel I feel the same exact way. This is another situation where Donald Trump. Th this has happened before, and we talked about it with a veterans organization. Donald Trump was going to pay the veterans organization. It's when he skipped that debate, remember? Yeah, and there he didn't send the check until there was pressure from the media when the media found out about it. That is exactly what happened this time again because he talked to the father of this fallen soldier in June. Except that time. It's an organization that'll make up the money somewhere else. This is a a man who was having financial hardships. It was mentioned on the call. And Donald Trump, because he's such an in-the-moment dickbag, he wants to make the guy feel good and says, Oh, I'll, you don't worry about that, sir. I'll, I'll write you a check personally for $25,000. <laughs> It'll be tremendous. Believe me. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he hangs up, he's like, ah, that guy feels really good. And then Job done. Yeah. Out, if I can, <laughs> out of mind. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Problem solved. So you know what? Good for the Washington Post. Of course. Because this guy is going to get his money. And, th 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 and here's the other thing. And look, I, I know a lot about government. I know enough about government. How about that? They said they had to do a bunch of interagency figuring out how it was going to work. I'll tell you how it works when you write a personal check, Donald Trump. You take out your checkbook and you write a fucking check. If it's not coming out of government money, you don't need to fuck around with uh, other agencies in the government. They're liars. This quote from White House spokeswoman Lindsay Walters oh, it yeah. is amazing. Read it. It's so disgusting. Quote, oh, wait. There, that's the word. Yeah. Quote, it's disgusting that the media is taking something that should be recognized as a generous and sincere gesture made privately by the president and using it to advance the media's biased agenda. You know what would have been awesome is had he done this and then the media just, quote unquote, found out about it. That he actually did it. But Donald Trump, you know, these idiots on, on 4chan and Reddit who think that he's playing like 12D chess. 12-dimensional chess. Oh, he's he's so far ahead. He blah, blah, blah. If he was that fucking far ahead, he just would have written the check for the 25 grand. Since even low estimates of his worth from, from Forbes say he's worth like $3.8 billion. 25 grand is fucking... Nothing. If only he loved the show and was a patron. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Can we get Donald Trump to say that he's going to send us some money? He just and never then, would. Well, no. And then like a couple months later, the Washington Post <laughs> will be so upset about this. Yeah. And they will really help us out. Right? Yeah. 
Are you listening, Washington? Well, I guess we got to get him to. <laughs> we we got to get him to. Yeah. yeah, but we can record him. No, we can't. I'll tweet. I'll tweet him. Oh wait, no, he blocked me on Twitter. Yeah. I guess that's kind of a pipe dream. I'll tweet him. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. That's enough of that. I guess. Today, if you're in the area, Cal State University Fullerton solving moral dilemmas. How do we know what's right? We're going to solve that age-old question. It's going to be a good time. Also, Thanksgiving episode. Mm. We have started receiving submissions. Yes. Thank you. Um, please take some time to send us a voice memo, I doubt it at dollamore.com. And do not say your name. It's anonymous. If you do say your name, we'll just cut it out. And uh, no cussing. <laughs> Although I guess we could bleep you if that's really necessary. No, I don't. I don't even want that. Okay, no bleeping. Um, because remember, yeah, just what are you thankful for? It is family friendly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, if you go back and listen to the other Thanksgiving episodes in the past, you'll get kind of an idea of what we're looking for, and that is fantastic. Please be sure to contribute. Yeah. Listen, it, it is a good episode. It is something we really pour ourselves into. There's a lot of preparation. It's not just your typical sit down, boom, you know, an hour and 15 minutes later, you have an episode. It's It takes me weeks to put it together, to find the goddamn music, everything. It's, you know, oh, poor me. <laughs> anyway, it is a moment that you can really send a message to your loved ones and also participate in something that I think really uh, is beneficial. You know, we talk so much about the negativity in the world twice a week and more often than that sometimes. And uh, it is a good time to increase the quotient of happiness and joy in the world. That sounded trite. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. And if well, maybe we'll see you today at the event. We love you. We appreciate you. Until that next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. The trunk is already filled with trash because it's filled with arrowhead water <laughs> right now. So 